to skip right to the beginning of the episode. Fast forward to the beep at 1 minute 50 seconds. Author's note. I'm working really hard to get these episodes out uh, as fast as possible with the amount of care and detail that I'm comfortable with. So if that takes a little bit longer, it takes a little bit longer, but I'm working diligently on getting these episodes out to you. If the speed at which I'm speaking in this episode is a bit hurried, it's because I'm sitting in a room that has very little ventilation and I have to have the AC and the fans and everything that would be running off so that way I can get clean audio for this episode. I do intend to post the unabridged versions of each episode so that way you can listen to everything all at once or in a big chunk at the beginning of the month. So you can look forward to that if you prefer listening to that extended version. That'll be happening at the beginning of August. The schedule as of now is pretty up in the air. So if you want to be notified when new episodes are posted, the best way would be to favorite or subscribe to this podcast. So that way you'll be notified when new episodes are posted. Also, in this episode, the accents and dialects that I was attempting to evoke, not being a voice actor, became a bit wonky, which is something that I usually notice and self-check to the best of my ability. But somehow it just kind of got away from me and then it became something else entirely which is something that I'll probably have to fix later in a redo of this episode. But as of now, it's in there. So enjoy. That does it for this author's note. Back to your regularly scheduled episode of A Halfling Tale. Previously on A Halfling Tale, Tyron woke up in the attic of the Journey's End Tavern after having snuck in in the dead of night. Hope his halfling friend, tries to cover for him when he is found out by Jurok the owner, who happens to also be Hope's father. During the fallout in the tavern, a bet was made between Jurok and Tyron. If Tyron wins, he gets to perform at the tavern whenever he wants and come and go as he pleases. If he loses, he leaves the island and he loses his prized loot. Hope tries to get Tyron to call off the bet, but he is determined to go through with it as a matter of pride and a test of his mettle. They parted ways as the storm began to set in. Tyron continues walking in the rain down the muddy road toward the lone wooden cabin in the distance. The wind had begun to pick up, adding a chill to the air as it swept over the island. Tyron heard his pace as he approached the door to the cabin, the place where he had spent the majority of his childhood. He still saw it as being his uncle's house, despite the fact that he was raised there and his uncle isn't around anymore. He steps onto the front porch and reaches his arm up behind him into the door frame and retrieves a small key. He unlocks the door with the key and goes to step inside, but stops for a moment and removes his muddy shoes before entering. He presses his body against the door to get it to shut once he's inside. Tyron stands there a moment in the darkness letting his eyes adjust before crossing the room carrying his muddy shoes over to the fireplace. He grabs the tinderbox up on the mantel and starts a fire illuminating the otherwise dark interior of the home. Tyron leaves his boots and goes down the hall past the closed door to get to his room. Inside, he walks around his cot to the small dresser where a change of clothes sits and grabs them. He takes his wet clothes off and allows them to dry by the fireplace. 
It was quiet inside, something that Tyron never really got used to. The crackling of the log in the fire and the storm outside were the only things he could hear besides his own thoughts. Tyron grabs his bag at the door and heads back to his room and starts packing his bag with the things he thinks he'll need on the road. He begins stuffing things down into the bag, filling the space inside very quickly, leaving a few things worth taking still on his bed. He dumps the bag back out and starts again, being careful to put them inside neatly this time, which yields slightly better results. He stands there and thinks for a moment before casting his eyes on the door down the hall. Tyron walks to the door and goes to knock but catches himself and instead reaches for the handle and turns it. The door eases open, revealing the dusty bedroom that had once belonged to his uncle. Tyron was rarely allowed in here when he was growing up and had only ventured inside unsupervised once before, two years ago. He goes into the kitchen, grabs a lantern, and lights it with a tinderbox before returning to the now dimly lit room. Inside the simple room is a perfectly made bed with a large wooden chest at the foot of it. A small nightstand, with a pair of spectacles on top, sits across from a writing desk in the corner, with a few books piled up next to a set of quills and ink pots. In front of the desk is a small stand where the loot Tyron carries once sat. On a shelf above the bed sits a small golden trophy with music notes engraved on it and a silver banded stone urn containing his uncle's ashes. Everything lies perfectly still and undisturbed under a thin blanket of dust. Tyron kneels down next to the chest and wipes off some of the dust before opening it. Inside is not gold or treasures, but his uncle's old gear and mementos, from his adventuring days. Tyron remembered seeing an old bag inside that ought to be significantly bigger than his loot bag. The first thing he sees inside the chest is the bag he had been searching for. He puts down the lantern, grabs the bag, and flips it over, causing a few things to slide about inside of it. He reaches inside and finds a small tin box next to a small pouch containing a spyglass. Tyron identifies the tin box as a small camping pot and bowl. He sets them both aside and examines the bag itself. It looks to be worn in some places, but it should hold up a few days until he can come back or save up for a new one. He thinks briefly about how much money he has and wonders if it'll last him on the road. He puts that out of his head for a moment and begins placing items inside the bag one by one until it's nearly full with just enough room for his loot should he need to put it away. Tyron stands and pulls the bag up on his shoulders to get a sense of how it feels on him. It was heavier than his other bag, but he could carry it no problem, he thought. He shuts the chest, places the bag outside the door, and grabs the lantern, and turns giving the room one more look before shutting the door. He carries the bag into the kitchen and grabs what little food he keeps in the house and puts it in a pouch outside the bag. Satisfied with the job he's done, he places his bag by the door, where he'll grab it at dawn before leaving. Tyron looks out the window up to Journey's End. On clear nights, he can see Hope's lamplight from here, but through the rain, he can barely make out the outline of the tavern against the darkened sky. He walks to the fireplace and sits with his loot, waiting for his clothes to dry. While waiting, he played nearly every song he knew until it was late in the evening and the storm had mostly passed. Tyron was sleepy and a bit anxious about what tomorrow would bring, and as he lies there in his cot, he stares up at the ceiling, waiting to fall asleep. 
He shuts his eyes after a while, and then he sleeps an uneasy sleep, his dreams playing out all the things that could happen when he leaves town, good and bad. The next morning, Tyron gets up just after daybreak and gets ready to leave. He takes his loot and strings it onto his back before putting on his new backpack. He stops and takes a deep breath before stepping outside. The sky is a lot lighter than it was yesterday, with the sun even peeking through the clouds in places. Tyron locks the door and goes to hide the key back in the doorframe, but stops and puts it in his pocket instead. He takes in the brisk morning air as he walks to Journey's End to see Hope before he leaves. Tyron pushes on the door to the tavern, but it's locked. He looks around for signs that someone's there, but he doesn't see anyone. He starts heading down to the docks when he sees three people down by the lone boat in the harbor. Hope, Jurok, and Agal Kaidan, the boat captain. Tyron is surprised to see Jurok there with Hope and wonders what he wants. Morning. I'm surprised to see you here and not at the tavern. Yeah, well... Don't think I came down here to stop you or anything. I just wanted to say... Don't go and die out there, you understand? I would have dream of it. Good. Well, off you go then. Hope, don't be long. Jurak casts Tyron a glance as he walks away, that on anyone else would be concerned. But on Jurak's face, looks like aggravation. So, you really leaving then? Just for a bit. The contest is in four days, so I'll be going at least that long. Did you pack properly? Are you sure you have everything? Near as I can tell. Tyron spins around so Hope can see the backpack he's carrying is nearly bulging in some places from the amount of things he's carrying. Hope looks at the bag and seems a bit more at ease, but Tyron can still see the worry on her face. What's wrong? I don't know. I just have this feeling like... Look, I'm never going to see you again. Don't worry. You'll see me again. Even if I lose and I never step foot in Gree again, I'll find a way. Maybe we could save our money and move some place like Frosh or Valire. What I could play and you could make your dresses. It'd be rough at first, but it'd be an adventure. Captain Kyron finishes untying the boat and steps up onto it before looking back at Tyron as if to say he's ready to leave. Tyron reaches into his pocket and takes out the silver key to his home and presents it to Hope. In halfling culture, traditionally when someone is going away for a while, they leave something behind with the people they care about as a reminder that they have something to come back for. In turn, they are gifted something to protect them on their journey. This tradition is often observed when someone is going off to war or on an expedition and is thought to bring good luck. The more sentimental the object, the greater the luck it brings and the more likely it is that they return for it. Take this. Just hold on to it until I come back. It's the only thing I have of value that's not strapped to me at the moment. Hope takes the key and places it into her pocket. She's nodding, but she still looks like she's going to cry. She reaches around her neck and unties the leather strap holding her necklace on. She walks over to Tyron and starts tying it around his neck. He knows what this is, and more importantly what it means to her. I can't take this. It belonged to your mom. Her mom gave it to her and she gave it to me. Now I'm giving it to you temporarily, so don't lose it. It's enchanted, you know. Tyron remembers Hope playing with it in their youth. When it got dark while they were out playing and they couldn't find their way home, 
Hope would pull out her charm and light the way. Theodore remembered how to use it. Tyron nods and holds the stone disc etched with runes up to his mouth and whispers a word. Anera. As he says the word, a sphere of white light floats out in front of him and hovers. He turns his head and the ball moves in that direction. They both smile. Anera. The light dissipates into particles. Hope gives Tyron a big hug before backing away again. Guess I'll see you in a few days then. Wish me luck. Look. Tyron steps onto the boat and sits down. Captain Kyron pushes away from the dock and raises the sail. The wind catches the sail and starts pulling them out to sea. Tyron looks back and waves very big at Hope, who waves back at him. He was officially in uncharted waters, at least uncharted to him. In a few moments, the island that had been his whole world up until now was small enough that he could hold it between two fingers. He couldn't help but smile after realizing that he was actually going on a journey all by himself. He's jolted out of his daze by a bit of choppy water the boat hit. This was only the second time he had been on a boat in his life, and the first time he can remember being this close to Captain Kyron. The captain was an older, dark-skinned human with a bushy gray beard, an old straw hat, and deep-set blue eyes that could look right through you, Tyron felt. Agile Kyron was his given name, but everyone in Fiend referred to him as Captain, when they did refer to him, which wasn't much. All Tyron really knew about him was that he lived on the beach, he was a fisherman, and that he never really spoke to anyone. He'd occasionally come into Journey's Inn, bringing a portion of the day's catch for hope in exchange for a meal, presumably whenever he got tired of fish. He had his back to Tyron as he adjusted his boat rigging, and Tyron could tell at a glance that Aegyle was strong even for his age. It was no secret to anyone on the island that all the other fishermen in Thene when fishing with two or three people per boat. Yet Kaiden went by himself and still managed to catch the same amount. You headed to the mainland. The captain spoke suddenly and took Tyron by surprise. Yes, the frosh. Going through Teza then. Yes, once I get to Teza, I'll find passage from there to frosh. The captain locks eyes with Tyron for a moment before going back to steering. The flailing sail. The what? It's a tavern and teaser. If you're looking for anything, that's a good place to start. Thank you, uh, Captain. How long until you come back? At least four days, though. Probably about five. Captain Kyron stares up at the sky for a long moment before leaning out the boat and plunging his arm into the water past his elbow. He closes his eyes for a moment, waving his arm back and forth beneath the waves. Tyron had overheard some people talking about Captain Kyron and mentioned something about him being, among other things, a wave treader, a mythical person said to possess traits and powers due to their connection with the sea. It's said that they can predict not only storms and fish migration, but the future. The name wave treader comes from a Greek story about a ship that was sinking and the only survivors being the wave treaders. In some versions, they walk to shore on the waves themselves, undisturbed by the storm. In others, they dove overboard and walked on the bottom of the sea until they reached land. Whether it actually happened or not remains a mystery, but some still refer to people who read the tides and revere the sea as wave treaders, though with a more derogatory connotation.
Tyron wasn't sure if either the story or what they said about the captain was true, but it did pique his curiosity. Kyron removed his hand from the water and shakes his head before remanning the boat. There's a storm coming. A storm? How soon? Half a week's time. For reference, half of a week is five days, with a full week being ten days. Do you think if I came back early in five days, I could beat the storm? Tyron wanted to head back as soon as possible, should he win the bet with Jurok. Perhaps. If you get back to Teaser early on that fifth day, you could. Otherwise, I'd stay ashore. The storm is going to rage a number of days. Tyron looked up at the sky and could see a faint gray line nearby the island they left a while ago. I can see very few clouds in the direction they're heading. There was a strong pause as Tyron thought on whether to ask what he was eager to know. How do you know there's a storm coming? I'm familiar with the sea and the way it moves. Tyron locks eyes with the captain and a chill runs down his spine. It didn't make him feel scared but excited and cautious for some reason. In the brief instant where their eyes were locked, he could tell that the captain was sincere and that he was telling Tyron all he wished for him to know. Tyron looks back northward to the island growing closer by the moment. He takes out his lute and starts strumming on a mellow tune. Neither spoke the rest of the short ride to Tiza, though Tyron could swear he heard Kyron humming along at certain points. Captain Kyron pulls his boat up next to the pier before lashing it to one of the wooden pillars. He hops onto the pier before extending a hand to Tyron. He grabs hold and is effortlessly pulled up onto the pier by the captain. Tyron didn't doubt that the captain was strong, but this confirmed his earlier suspicions. The two stand there a moment, looking down the pier toward the city. Thank you for taking me all the way here. I know it's a bit out of the way, but you're the only person I thought I could ask, and I'm glad you agreed. Tyron reaches into his coin purse and starts to pull out some copper coins to pay the captain. He holds it out to him, but Kyron just shakes his head. Keep it. Something tells me you're going to need it. Tyron feels the weight of his words and returns the coins back to his pouch as the captain places a hand on his shoulder. Be careful. Outside the city can be dangerous and unpredictable. Stay safe. Tyron nods as the captain hops off the pier into his boat and easily unlashes the rope from the pillar. Are you sure you don't want anything in return? Kyron looks back up at him as he pushes the boat away from the pier. Ask me again next time we meet. Until then, the sea provides as she always has. Tyron takes note of this and just watches as the boat slowly sails back to Gree, which looks tiny from this distance. After watching the boat for a few moments, he turns and starts walking down the pier toward the city proper.